listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our episode in a moment, but first, Paula and I appreciate all of the continued support out there. We have over a million downloads, and we want to keep growing. If you could leave a positive rating on our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, tell a friend or family member about our show. Now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. On July 18, 2014, Corey Barron joined his brother and sister and some friends for a country music concert at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. It was a Friday night. The packed stadium was humming, the crowd singing and gyrating to the headline act, Jason Aldean. But one less man walked out of the ballpark than walked in that night. Corey was missing. The 22-year-old was from Fremont, Ohio, about 86 miles to the west of Cleveland in Sandusky County. Around 9.30 that night, Corey left his seat at the stadium and walked to another section of the venue. He never came back. When he hadn't shown up at home by Saturday, his family reported him missing. Cleveland police took some canine units to the stadium to search for him, but they weren't cadaver dogs, which are trained to locate corpses. The local media assisted police in spreading the word. Corey was described as six feet, two inches tall, 225 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. He was wearing blue jeans and a blue jean shirt over a Budweiser t-shirt. His family agonized as Corey failed to return home the next day or the next day after that. But they didn't have to wait much longer. On Tuesday afternoon, about 1.45 p.m., employees at a landfill in Lorain County found something they never expected among the bags of trash they were used to seeing. It was a body still inside a Republic Services garbage truck that had been hauling trash from Cleveland. The Lorain County Sheriff was called, and the Lorain County Coroner quickly identified the man as Corey Barron. A ticket to the concert was still in his pocket. Because they knew where that truck had been, they were able to trace it to its last location, Progressive Field, and a dumpster that collected trash from a chute on the stadium's fifth level along the left field foul line. The chute was very near Barron's assigned seat, though it was only accessible from a utility room. The officers who had searched the stadium the day after Corey went missing had never looked in the dumpsters, at least not that dumpster, or they would have found him. At least publicly, investigators appeared to think it was just a terrible accident, that maybe Corey fell or crawled into the chute, maybe he was drunk, but no one could answer how Corey gained access to the trash chute and the trash compactor that it led to, 
or whether security cameras captured him or any of that. If he had accidentally gotten into that chute somehow, it was easy to see how a five-story drop down the chute would be enough to kill him. Lorraine County Coroner Stephen Evans was taking his time ruling on the cause of death, saying he was going to wait for toxology tests, which could take weeks. Cleveland police returned to the stadium to search for more clues, and they held a short press conference afterward. A captain with the Lorraine County Sheriff's Department told reporters Corey's body had no bruises or other signs of trauma. Officials repeated for a second time they had no reason to suspect foul play. That September, the Lorraine County Coroner's Office joined that assessment, saying no signs of foul play had been found. But despite the contention of investigators that Corey's body had no bruises or marks, the coroner noted he did indeed have multiple blunt force trauma injuries to his head, his torso, his extremities, all consistent with a five-story fall. The awaited toxology tests were also back, and they showed Corey had been drinking, and a friend told investigators he drank a lot that night. He was extremely intoxicated. But the tissue samples that were collected could not accurately measure his blood alcohol level, and definitely no drugs were found in his system. Because nobody could explain the circumstances that led to his fall down the chute, his cause of death remained undetermined. For all intents and purposes, the active investigation into Corey's death pretty much stopped. Two years later, in 2016, Corey's father, Matthew Barron, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Cleveland Indians, Gateway Development Corp., which owned the place, Live Nation, which promoted the concert, assorted vendors, and others, about 15 defendants in all. He was seeking $125,000 in damages, and that's when we learned the room where the chute was had not been secured. The lock to the chute room was broken, and the maintenance staff had not marked it or repaired it. The two sides eventually settled out of court. The terms of the settlement were not disclosed. Two years after that, in 2018, Corey's family wasn't seeking money, but offering it. They announced a $50,000 reward for information about the events that led to Corey's death. But still, it was another four years, not until 2022, that Cleveland police announced they were reopening the case. Newly available scientific testing had changed the course of the investigation, and the Lorraine County coroner changed his office's ruling from undetermined to homicide. Police said they'd found additional evidence and applied tests that hadn't been available when Corey died eight years earlier, though officials never explained exactly what that meant. Corey's family, of course, was relieved at the news. They had never doubted foul play was involved. 
They had hired private investigators to look into the case. It was evidence collected by those private eyes that led Cleveland police to reopen the case. Police didn't name any suspects on their radar, but did say they had a new list of people that they were anxious to speak to. Lorain County Coroner Frank Miller offered a little bit more than that. He said it was learned that Corey was involved in an altercation at the stadium before his death. And that is what led Miller, who wasn't the coroner back in 2014, to determine Corey's death had been due to the actions or failure to act of another person or persons. Rob Slattery, a private investigator who was not on Barron's case, told the plain dealer that getting a medical examiner to change a cause of death was a very big deal. He said, It is such an uphill battle because you have to come up with something very substantial evidence-wise. But the biggest hurdle is that once a cause of death is determined, and let's say it's accidental, the investigation stops. Then there's really no work that is going on that is going to change that cause of death. Corey's dad, Matt, said this, From the beginning, we have always said we do not believe this was an accident. He said no way could a man over six feet tall and 200 pounds accidentally fall into a garbage chute measuring two feet by two feet. Now, last May, a few more stunning details were revealed. Those private investigators hired by the Barron family, they were retired federal agents And apparently, they turned up a witness who gave a chilling account of something he'd seen. He said about 9.45 that night, there were some men urinating and spitting at people in the section where Corey was last seen alive. The source, who passed a polygraph test, told the investigators the people that appeared to be urinating and spitting left their seats right around the time Corey went missing. They returned a short time later, gathered up their belongings, and left. It was also revealed that while the coroner had already acknowledged the many traumatic injuries to Corey's body after it had fallen down the chute, the autopsy report actually suggested some of the injuries on his head and chest occurred before his death. Cleveland homicide detective Sergeant Aaron Reese asked for the public's help, especially anyone who was at that Jason Aldean concert in 2014. Reese released two photographs taken during the concert showing sections 468 and 570. Section 468 is where officials believe Corey was last seen alive. Without explaining further, he asked anyone who was at the concert to take a look at any pictures they may have taken that night, especially in or near those sections, and to please come forward if they remembered seeing anything out of the ordinary. Reese also said that he had recently submitted some DNA evidence and that there was potential for finding more DNA. He did not explain where the DNA was coming from. He said, 
There's some scientific evidence that is available now that wasn't available in 2014, and that has helped our investigation. There are people we are still trying to seek out to do further interviews. It is clear, based on evidence, something happened, some kind of altercation. If you know anything about this incident, please call Crime Stoppers at 216-252-7463 or the Cleveland Police Homicide Unit at 216-623-5464. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to ohiomysteries.com. Also, for more shows like ours, head on over to KillerPodcasts.com. We are a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II, and people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.